we are not perfect. So having counterparts that can really support in other areas is huge. Also being able to think about what's best for your, your teams, your consumers, yourself, taking ego out of it allows you to really look at it from a holistic perspective and not as emotional. Does my ego get in the way sometimes? Yes, <laughs> I am human. <laughs> but being able to really consider that is uh, highly important in my, in my experience. The GenTech Podcast discussing business, investing, and marketing. Hey guys, welcome back to the GenTech Podcast, bringing you valuable and inspirational discussion with top business owners. Today we have on a very, very special guest. Her name is Jenna Schwartz, and this girl does everything. So she's the co-founder of Providence Consulting Group, a business coaching business, um, the co-founder of Work for Peace, a domestic violence awareness charity. She brought the chapter Boss Talks Tampa to Tampa, which is a mentorship and networking group. She buys and sells healthcare companies through Stone Ridge Partners, and she's also the Chief Growth Officer for NFT Projects. So I'd like to introduce you guys, Jenna Schwartz. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with you and just kind of chat today. And thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to learn more about you and everything that you do. First, I just want to start basic. Um, obviously, you're super involved in the Tampa community. Are you from Tampa? I've been in Tampa for 10 years now. I'm originally from just north of the city of Chicago. Um, so just a little further away. This still so feels what, like home now. Yeah, it, it does feel like home to all of us, I think. What really brought you to Tampa? University of Tampa is where I came down for school. And I was a very weird 17, 18 year old. I looked at my dad when visiting and said, I can get a paid internship while in school because the top school, well, more common state schools in Illinois, where I was from, were in kind of the middle of nowhere and everyone fought for internships in the city. Uh, so it was not the pool on campus. And it was really, I just saw the city is growing. Don't know where I thought that, but that was truly what I said to my dad. And they're like, all right, you can go to Florida. Of course, and Florida is not a bad place to be. What were your interests when you were in college that you know really directed you in this path of just you know being so involved in the community? Great question. Uh, I went to school for accounting, never worked in accounting. And I really was just, I was excited to grow businesses and work. That sounds kind of silly, but I started, I hit my goal of getting a, an internship by sophomore year. And that's where I spent more of my time than in the classroom, truthfully. So what was the internship that you got sophomore year? Was that directed towards accounting? <laughs> Oh, goodness. I always this is a funny story. Um, I was hostessing at a restaurant for barely four weeks. It was a all women wait staff sports bar type restaurant and it was a lunch shift. And I sat a man in a business outfit. I did not know how to talk to some of the girls that were a little bit older than me. And um, so I decided to take a minute to ask this man what he did. And he was a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. I said, that sounds interesting. Are you hiring? It turned into me getting a uh, the ability to go sit down with them and have four six foot plus tall men across the table at this internship interview. And I did not know what anything about Morgan Stanley. I actually called it Stanley and Morgan, which I am <laughs> so embarrassed because it's a more than a Fortune 500 company. 
Uh, but that was my first internship was in finance. And That's so funny. that mentor of mine, he uh, was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I think that's such a great um, story for everyone, too. You really never know who you're talking to. So you just have to be nice and ask these questions because there's so many yeah. opportunities. It, yes, that was it was very interesting. Uh, one of the questions they asked me about my, my actual first job at 16 was at a call center. And what they were interested in me doing at Morgan Stanley was cold calling, appointment setting. So they liked that in my history. And they said, did you absolutely hate it? And in an interview, I go wasn't that bad. I just got thirsty. And they said, you're hired. We'll give you some water. And I could not believe how mortified I was that I just said I was thirsty in an interview. And, you know, and it works. It works. Sometimes. I was completely just unfiltered in myself. And that's, that's what sold, sold it. I love that story. So uh, you can decide which one of, you know, these business ventures did you start? Which was the first one for you? It all started with Work for Peace, which is the charity that came from uh, honoring a woman that was very important in my life. Uh, she had passed away due to domestic violence, and it gave me such a strong purpose uh, to work with my other co-founder in building Work for Peace, which is, again, a charity. We're more like an aggregator in the sense that we put together events to fundraise and then use those funds to be a capital donor to larger organizations like the Spring and other uh, domestic violence programs that support victims, families, and further education. And it was in doing so, I didn't even realize we were building a business. And it was finally, after 26 years, I was able to start something. Uh, growing up, I'd always written business plans, but never took action. Yes, I did road trips and wrote business plans on road trips at 14. I, I don't know. But again, I didn't action on anything. It wasn't until I had such a strong meaning and purpose of needing to do something. And that started to turn into a domino effect of opportunities and feeling confident to kind of go off on my own to start to be more self-employed and build a build some businesses. Having a purpose is definitely so important when you are starting a business, because like you said, you were writing all those business plans, but to really take that action takes so much purpose and passion in what you do. So that's such a great story. You know, you were already doing the charity and not realizing you were just building a business and you know, what's now an empire with everything that you do. So how did you know that you always wanted to be a business owner? Like what, what made that um, idea in your head? It's um, a really good question. I think the first time I realized I wanted to run a business was having the privilege of my parents, including me in what they were doing. So my family did try to start a couple businesses that from a maybe financial perspective didn't quite call success, but I got to see risk. I got to see discipline. I got to see um, an idea turn into something. And my brother was really into being an inventor. And so combined, uh, we got, you know, we got to do that. And I think sometimes you know, we're all born with different skills and genes. And I just, I like to, to build businesses. And I think that 
you know, my my one position of being at Stone Ridge where we buy and sell healthcare practices, I really get to to help others either purchase or sell their companies, which is also really exciting getting to support others in their goals of that. Because uh, especially when you're buying, you're building a business in a different way. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that was the first time. And I would say that, you know, all the businesses that you are involved with and everything that you're involved with kind of have that same theme. You're working with people and you're, you're helping people. So did you also, you know, see that when you were younger? Did you just want to help people? It wasn't on the forefront of my mind that I'm going to help people. I'm going to help people. I'm going to help people. And I think if anyone's familiar with altruism, uh, which is, I believe, a philosophy, they say, you know, do you do things just because it feels good or are you doing it out of the goodness of your heart? That's the ultimate debate of that. I, as I did uh, activities or events that helped people, it felt good. And I guess I just started to keep going down the path of what what feels good and getting to support others and build their dreams and my dreams simultaneously fires me up. So for, you know, anyone listening who maybe has a passion and wants to start a nonprofit for, you know, um, something they're really passionate about, where do you start with this? And where did you start? Great question. So the first, the first thing is, you know, choose what your cause is, choose what you want to, you know, support and then how you want to do it. So there's a lot of different pieces. You know, are you looking to raise money? Are you looking to raise awareness? or education, what's sort of the the goal of what you're doing? So for example, if you're strictly raising awareness, and or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say awareness, but education, but there's no costs really related to it, filing for a 5013C might not be your first step. 5013C is your tax exempt status. It allows when businesses are donating to you, they can use that as write-offs as well. And so, you know, you don't have to be a nonprofit to start a charity of some sort. You can just begin. There are some costs involved and time involved with setting up for a 5013C. That is definitely something I can give some tips on if anyone wants to reach out to me at another time. But I would say, you know, just start doing something is always going to be better than nothing. And, uh, you know, I have a, a, a really new friend in my life who she is really passionate about beach cleanups. She's just doing beach cleanups. And I shouldn't even use the word just because that's huge. Mm-hmm. But there's not really costs involved for her. So when we had a conversation, I said, you know, at this moment, you may not need to spend the couple thousand dollars to set up your 5013C. You're you are making a difference. You are making change just by what you're doing already and letting it grow organically. That's amazing. And I do think people will see like the passion you have behind, you know, these companies and these, these services, and they'll, they'll want to help you grow organically. And, you know, with this charity work for peace. So you were the co-founder of that. And then what was the next step for you? Which, which business of these was the next step? Great question. So I had the opportunity to, while I was planning that, I was speaking with a really awesome woman who actually became my mindset coach and a mentor of mine. Not at that moment, but uh, when I was telling her about this, I was actually asking about a women's empowerment event or personal development event that she was hosting. And while I was looking just to attend, she asked me if I'd speak. 
I was like, you want me to speak? <laughs> what do I have to say? I, I'm not sure. And she gave me my first stage to get it, the chance to stand up in front of it. That I think it was about 20, 25 women. And in doing so, one of my co-speakers was looking to open a different chapter of Boss Talks in another city. So I thought it sounded cool. I flew to that city to for her launch and decided I want to bring this to Tampa because a mentor mentors are what have opened the doors for me since I was as young as I can remember. I am humbled and fortunate to have not needed a resume since I was about 17. And that's due to mentors opening doors for me. And I always had this dream of having this extravagant gala or party for all these mentors and because they had paid for lunches and coffees and dinners. And I wanted to celebrate them, but I realized this was an outlet that I can honor them and provide a space for women and maybe some men who don't have the same ability to connect with mentors and see if we can help open doors for others as well. So that's that's what was kind of second. And I, uh, I guess right after that was uh, two of my guy friends wanted to run a personal development event. And out of some selfish reasons, I wanted a little distraction from life and mm -hmm. asked them if I could help them put on their event. So I was pretty much volunteering and was really excited to help them build their speaking event, which turned into one of those one of those speakers of that event asked me to be part of the NFT project. So it was all just a domino effect. Um, and those two guys, while I was helping volunteer with them, they asked me, they're like, why are you doing this for us? Why are you doing this work? And I was kind of like, well, you'll either burn me or you'll repay me when it comes time. And it turned into more opportunities. So maybe that one was truly altruistic. I'm not sure. <laughs> I thought it came from a selfish place, though. Definitely. I want to go back to boss talk. So I've seen it all over social media, but maybe for the our listeners who might not have seen it yet, can you explain what boss talks is? Absolutely. So we have an event typically once a month. And in that event, they're more frequently than not structured where you come in. The first 45 minutes is networking, mingling, getting to know the other, mostly women in the room, but again, men are welcome. And then we spend the next 45 minutes to an hour live interviewing a speaker or speakers about a specific topic. So it really allows us to have some mentorship and growth. One of the one of the biggest privileges I feel that we've had in this room is keeping it intimate enough, meaning small enough, that there's actually relationships that have gone to build. And I feel so blessed that there's been a lot of openness from everyone that's been in the room to really get to know each and every person and, and feel that welcomeness. I have a couple wonderful people that have joined me in making Boss Talks what it is recently added a co-director. She is incredible. I felt that having her join as co-director would allow us to really grow the chapter in a because she is a an awesome event planner bubbly brings so much to the room i also have a woman who is our check-in person and check-in is such a big thing it's the first face they see when they walk in the room and her openness friendliness welcomeness is a privilege i've walked into rooms filled with women women and men and been so intimidated because i'm checking in and they made me, you know, they're a little bit maybe catty or it seems like they already know everyone in the room and I don't. 
So those two women being involved with me is what's making Boss Talks a huge part of what it is. Did that answer it? Yes, that's such a great point. I do think there's, you know, some stigmas against networking events. People are just scared, especially, you know, with everything. People aren't used to socializing like they used to. So these networking events can seem so intimidating. And especially when you think, you know, everyone knows each other, like, who am I going to talk to? Because usually networking events, unlike parties and stuff, you go alone or you should go alone because that's how you meet people. But it's scary. It's definitely scary. Yeah. But we do use we use a couple tricks to help in, you know help people have an easier way to break the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is we often will give people a playing card when they come in and they have to find their match. And there's a couple questions on there. I did I did steal that from another networking event I saw down in down in Miami one time. But I, I think it's a wonderful one because it's an easy excuse to say, "Hey, are you the Ace of Spades? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're supposed to do this little questions, and if they're not the Ace of Spades, it's okay. Well." I know we're not matches, but can we still answer the questions? It's just an easier way to start other than just, oh, your shoes are cute. A hundred percent. And, you know, why do you think networking is so important for especially females and all business owners? Networking has what has opened my doors. Every opportunity I've had is because of networking, relationship building. It means something. Um, Being able to connect with others and figure out how you guys can mutually support one another goes so far. I mean, how many times have, for any business owners listening in, how many times have you ran, you know, paid ads or tried to get people in the door and you're feeling a little stuck? But as soon as there's word of mouth, as soon as there's that referral, that testimony, it means something. And so to be able to build those relationships and, and connections, a lot of people buy and want to be part of what you're doing based on who you are as a person, not just your product or service, which quite frankly, a lot of products and services, I don't want to say are commodities. I mean, there are a lot that are, but a lot of, you know, you're not typically the only person who does something or the only person who sells something. But what's unique is who you are. So having those relationships and networking, you get to really hear who your people are, find your people, build that target audience that will benefit from who you are and what you provide. And you said that you've had, you know, this mentorship, this mentorship almost all your life. So do you think that having those mentors has made you want to be a mentor and, you know, that could connect you to your new business coaching um, company? Yes, actually. And that sort of organically happened as well. I have found throughout the years, uh, I'm, I would more frequently get texts for career advice or advice than being invited to a party, which is perfectly okay. I don't stay out too late typically. And <laughs> Uh, sometimes though, uh, but you know, people coming to me to ask, you know, for questions or advice, I was like, well, who am I to give a response? You know, who am I to, you know, do this and then realize maybe I do have some things I can help others with. So that's where Provenance Consulting Group came about. Again, a co-founder of that, have an amazing business partner that we recently started working together just a few months uh, back in March and have had so much success just partnering up on uh, both of our using utilizing both of our strengths and being a good yin and yang did that answer that i feel like i went a little bit rogue 
No, no, that was that was great. And I really do want to, you know, dive deeper into business coaching, online coaching, because it's just such a growing industry. And um, Gentech especially is, you know, really targeting and looking into the business coaching industry way more. So uh, what do you think about this industry and, and how much it's growing? Because I think, you know, a lot of people are a lot of people are getting mentors now and realize that like having a coach is normal and it's honestly like so helpful, but where have you seen the industry grow? Awesome question. So first and foremost, according to Forbes, 8% of people who have a goal actually succeed in their goal. Why is that? I mean, we, we could probably see that, right? It's, it's January 1st and all of a sudden there's a full entire gym and then it's back to being empty by February. Where is that fall off? So after doing some research, and I don't have all the marker points in terms of percentages memorized, however, having an accountability or a business coach, someone to answer to, has increased the success from that 8%-ish mark to a 95% completion. Now, this is just my own opinion. There is no education behind this. But how were we raised in life? For a lot of us, we had parents or teachers that disciplined us, gave us grades, uh, rewarded us or validated us for when we completed things. We were not really required at a young age to be extremely self-disciplined. So now when we're going out to do our own goals, our own tasks, we're answering to ourselves and not someone else. So I think having that accountability is a huge component of business coaching. You actually have someone that says, did you file your LLC last week? Did you submit your tax forms? You know, it's, 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 the parent or the teacher reminding you to make sure you got something done. But then in addition to that is, I don't know anyone who's perfect. I'm not perfect. Meaning we all have skills that can develop and build on to one another. And having a business coach, I think, gives you a huge leg up in the sense of you now have someone that is outside of your brain who can hear how you saw a situation, how you handle the situation, and whether it's advise on how to adapt or adjust for future or prepare you as you're going into those future steps. So there's also that component of, of development. I know how we do it at Provenance Consulting. If it's a certain skill or development that we don't feel we're an expert in, we bring someone else in. We may find it, we may see it, but there is a lot of people out there that can really help in certain areas. I mean, I know I'm not the only woman who is a bit of a people pleaser, still working on that, but asking for a raise, it's hard. Advocating for yourself, it's hard. And having a team or a coach behind you to help guide you through really hard processes like that, or I wanna quit my job and I wanna start my business, but I am terrified, you know, where do I begin? Those are all elements that a coach can support. Yeah, I think that was, you know, perfectly sad because it's so true. These on uh, most entrepreneurs, you know, they kind of just learn as they go because I think that's what people thought you had to do. But you really don't have to do that now with these coaches. You can have this mentor, you know, bring you along the whole guide like they've been through it. So you can ask those questions and it's worth it. Definitely. And just like a lot of other areas of life that we kind of talked about earlier, is there's a lot of different kind of coaches, a lot of different type of business coaches or consultants or whatever it may be. Some can be very, very hands-on with you and some can be very hands-off. 
So it just depends on your needs and what you're looking for. And there's a lot of tools out there to help find the right person. And what's some advice you'd give to listeners who, you know, want to start their own business coaching um, or coaching business? <laughs> oh, okay. So advice for those who want to start their own business coaching business. <laughs> Number one, do the work yourself. Be a consumer of what you're going to sell. Meaning, I have been coached before. Be your own testimony of why it works. Being able to be passionate about what you do or you sell is important across the board. If you don't have passion for what you're doing, it's a lot harder to sell it. I think the second one is define who and what you can help with. So, for example, you may be really great at helping, you know, establish whether it's an LLC, um, filing as an S corp or not, as a whether you're filing as a corporation, a sole proprietorship. Maybe you're really good at startups and just getting them off the ground, or maybe your expertise is hiring, firing, all of that. So you're more, you're more in the, your market is more those who are scaling their business. And having those understandings is not only going to result in your consumers understanding what you do, but you're going to actually be able to help and make a difference. Not everyone's your audience. And that's, that is sometimes a hard pill to swallow that you're not for everyone. I agree that that is a great lesson. And, and it is so true. And, you know, you want the people that you will actually benefit and that is in your audience. And I think that's also great advice. You know, if you want to be a business coach, you are, you know, your biggest client, basically, you did it yourself. So it, it is a great way to show what you can do to show your own journey and, and have that personal um, touch to it. I want to ask, what do you think the most important lesson you've learned over your career is? Um, I know it's still early in your career, but you have done so much still. So maybe there are, you know, trends that you see or just lessons that, you know, keep reoccurring. A lesson that I felt was such a gift to learn was ego. What I mean by this is it was easy to make something about me, but sharing the spotlight isn't just sharing the spotlight. It's having a team that has a common goal. A, you get that camaraderie. You have someone to bounce ideas off of. And again, we are our greatest strengths and weaknesses in one. <laughs> we are not perfect. So having counterparts that can really support in other areas is huge. Also being able to think about what's best for your your teams, your consumers, yourself. Taking ego out of it allows you to really look at it from a holistic perspective and not as emotional. Does my ego get in the way sometimes? Yes, <laughs> I am human. <laughs> but being able to really consider that is uh, highly important in my in my experience. I think that's a great lesson. And I want to ask because, you know, you're involved in so many things and you did go to college for accounting. So it's just funny. But um, how do you, you know, continue to learn and continue to improve? I know that probably mentorship has been huge for you. But I mean, maybe you want to talk about that or anything else that you do to continue learning. Continuing to learn is easy these days. 
the reason I say that is we have access to YouTube, podcasts, people around us, listening. Listening is another skill that I'm still working on and another lesson that's really important, but we learn so much just from the people we're interacting with. Even as we're on this conversation, it's getting my mind to go to maybe thoughts or places I didn't initially think about. And that helps me learn. Uh, but we, you know, we really, again, have such access to so much of free and paid education that you can sign up for, you know, masterclasses for $100 or less and get really a lot of information or go to LinkedIn and there's articles constantly posted and really, I mean, there's a lot of quality information out there, but you do have to got to sift out what's quality and what's not. And I kind of want to shift to social media. Um, obviously, you're involved in NFTs. Uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I'm not too knowledge about it, but I really do want to learn more and maybe how social media has impacted all of your businesses. NFTs, they stand for non-fungible tokens, and they have an interesting stigma these days. Um, NFTs, a lot of people know it as a JPEG or digital art that for some rhyme or reason is worth a ton of money or not. There is a lot of applications and use cases that I believe we'll see down the road for NFTs or non-fungible tokens. The, there's a lot of different ways to describe it. Uh, one, of, one of the pieces is the, the term fungible versus non-fungible. Non-fungible means it's not replicable. <laughs> and so again, maybe I'll just give an example of a use case. Um, an artist. An artist makes an actual painting, right? And I sell my painting to you for $100 and all of a sudden my art's worth something. And you now get to sell it for a million. Me as the artist, I only saw that $100. Now, if my authentication of ownership was in the form of an NFT, so again, you still get your actual piece of art, but if your ownership authentication was on the blockchain, there's a lot of perks to this. One. When I sell you that piece of art for $100 and you sell it for a million, I, as the owner, can see royalties on it. Also, the transfer of ownership is now public. This is a really awesome benefit for history, for other applications. It should reduce fraud. It gives uh, complete insight into history of buying and selling of whatever it is. So that is just one area that it can benefit someone like artists in the case of selling a home now through a non-fungible token again you have that complete history logged on the blockchain other things that does for you is it reduces the number of people involved in a transaction um they're used now also for you know tickets to events and this should again help reduce the ability for scammers and scalpers sitting outside a, a arena also gives you a collect cool collectible so if you went to the super bowl and your ticket was in the form of the nft which actually the um dallas mavericks their tickets are now going to be via nft and say there's something really cool that happened you now you now have on the blockchain a a little collectible as well i like it more for the applications and use cases rather than just a uh, digital art um the project i'm involved in we are related to vacation rentals or an Airbnb. So for those not in the NFT space, it's kind of like having a sellable travel membership or use, utilizing it as a certificate to stay at our properties at no cost and turning in the certificate. 
And so there's there's a lot of different ways that we can make that make that work. Did that answer a little bit about NFTs or is there more I can go into? Yes, uh, definitely. I can like visualize it now and see it better. <laughs> I saw in business in Tampa, they said that you were using NFTs to build community and give back also. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you about that. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe it would be easiest to just uh, share a little bit about Pineapples in Paradise. That's the project I'm working on. So as I mentioned, we are we have an existing portfolio of vacation rental properties. And when someone becomes an NFT holder with us, meaning they purchase one of our pineapples, because it's going to be a little picture of a pineapple. <laughs> we do have a Hollywood level artist, by the way, so it is pretty cool art. They're getting a couple different components with it. One is there's access for them to stay at the properties at a discount. We're also using the money when you go to buy your membership to purchase additional properties. And we want to give you a way to have a little bit of uh, incentive to put money into that fund to purchase properties. So there'll be monthly monetary giveaways as well as we're giving away some things like bucks tickets, lightning tickets, all that fun stuff. But also what that membership token will give you access to is a whole grouping of discounts or exclusive access to products, events, and items within the area of our Airbnbs. Currently, they're in St. Pete in the Tampa Bay area. So for all of our local community members, we're able to give you, again, discounts to places maybe you're already going or access to events that maybe you wouldn't ultimately get access to. That's and awesome. I think that's so interesting and, and definitely yeah. a new business concept and, you know, nothing I've heard of before. Exactly. And while a, a, a major component, or I would say a lot of what this business is doing, a lot of it could be done without an NFT, but an NFT and putting it on the blockchain does give us access to, again, allowing you as an owner to resell your membership whenever you want. Again, it makes it very clear that it's authenticated and some other components. So there are those benefits of it being held on the blockchain. The community aspect of it is a lot of NFT projects use a platform called Discord for communication. Discord is very common in the gaming world. Uh, you know, if you are a member, you're in a, you know, you're in a chat room basically, and it runs just like a a Slack thread or a instant messenger thread that we may have used back in the day for individuals to chat and talk. And these communities are massive. Our team and I had gotten a chance to go up to NFT New York, which was a big conference. And a lot of people there weren't even going for the education and conference. They were going because groups that they were part of, meaning uh, communities that they had bought an NFT for, were hosting events and parties and had house rentals across the across the uh, city area. One of them was one of my one of my partners. He is really big into a group called Psychedelics Anonymous, and they had a house rented the entire week or a venue. People could go there to get coffee. They could go there for the open bar. They could go there to work, and that allowed that virtual community to get together in real life. So it's just kind of tying those two pieces together. Yeah, we've actually just implemented Discord in our business, too. Um, it's just such a great tool to communicate. So we have it and we have our clients download it so we can actually communicate with them like very quickly, real time, right through the app. And it makes things so organized and a lot easier for us. So now I'm going to go to social media and ask you, you know, how important social media is and maybe you could talk about you know your personal brand and then also social media for your companies and how important social media is to you yes so social media is 
can be both amazing and horrible at the same time. Social media nowadays can kind of be like used as a resume in terms of what you're interested in, who you are as a person, how you present yourself is, it means something. Uh, you can use Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, the list is endless these days. I have found shifting my personal Instagram to discuss more of these business topics have, again, afforded me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have foreseen. And I, again, that I think relates to the fact that it's sort of like a resume. It gives people a window into, again, who you are as a person, what you like to do. So it's really important when you are building your social media to consider how you want to be perceived. Unless you're on private and it's just for your friends, just for your family, then sure, go ahead, do whatever you want. But if you do want to utilize it as a tool to connect with new individuals from a somewhat of a business, somewhat of a social perspective, there, think about those pillars that you want to uh, have shown, those values you want to have shown. So for me, I recently incorporated using those highlights on Instagram from my stories for things that are important to me. So there's one for travel, one that says congratulations, friends, because every time I post on a story something for a friend, I can save it and highlight that because that's important to me. Family, NFT, boss talk stuff. Some of that stuff doesn't get added into your feed, but you can really utilize a lot of different spaces there to share with the world what's important to you. It is a window into who you are, so it's it's a little scary to get out there sometimes. But it can be really rewarding if you're sharing and, and getting in front of the audience that is valuable to you. I think that's such a perfect um, perspective of it, too, because it is such a great thing. And it is, you know, it depends how you use it. And I think that's like a very healthy use for it. And just like knowing what you're passionate about and, and showing that through. But I want to ask, you know, with Boss Talks, I was saying that I'm on social a lot. I run Gentech social media. So I've been seeing Boss Talks everywhere. But how have you been really using social media to um, get Boss Talks out there and, you know, yeah. reach your target audience for that networking group? Yes, absolutely. So a few different ways that we promote Boss Talks is a big part of it is social media. And I only have access to my own network, right? So how, how do we get it further than my own network? That's where those relationships that maybe we talked about earlier come into such play. Having a couple of people in your life that are willing to also post on your behalf, it helps get it into their networks too. Um, keeping the, your content consistent with the type of individuals that you want to attract for these programs. So... If I'm really big on wanting to bring women into a business mentorship group, but all I'm posting is about partying, I'm probably going to attract more of a partying crowd than a business crowd. So again, that's that cohesion of, of how you're using it to post. Um, you can escalate by using services like Gentech for, for ads to be able to boost posts, to get across, you know, the community. There's a lot of different ad tools that you can use, but majority of it really relates to just how do we get it out there with people we know in the area, in their networks, and having a couple people from all different places. That's that's what creates the magic if they're not all just the same people that know each other. 
And I'm going to ask you one last question. Uh, what's the biggest takeaway that you hope our listeners learn today from this podcast? If I were to think about what I would like to be taken away from this podcast today, my hope is that if you feel I would benefit your life or you have questions that you'd feel comfortable to reach out to me, uh, I would like to be an accessible person, want to be as authentic as possible. I'm still early in my career. I'm excited about what what we're growing, what we're starting. I say we because it's not just me involved in a single one of these areas of my life. And being able to just help you all grow. Did that kind of talk about what I'd hope they take away? <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. And, you know, to go back and kind of uh, wrap up the podcast, again, this is Jenna Schwartz, and she is co-founder of many, co-founder of Work for Peace, Providence Consulting Group, Boss Talks. Um, she works in the NFT projects, and she is a Stonebridge partner. So I just want to talk about the big things that we touched upon, having that purpose and passion for whatever you do, and how that really takes you and, you know, talking to people and not knowing the opportunities that you'll get. And that kind of ties in with the importance of networking and, and building your network and having those mentors, you know, really having that type of um, involvement and networking group around you of like-minded individuals will bring you so many opportunities and i think we really really talked about that and the importance of having that coach and how far it will get you um today as an entrepreneur and just you know having accountability and relationship building and how it's just so needed in the business world today so jenna thank you so much for being on the podcast you want to tell our listeners where they can find you absolutely I am on LinkedIn as Jenna Schwartz. I'm on Instagram as Pineapple J Shorty. That's pineapple, how you spell pineapple, and then J S H O R T Y. Please beware, there's a few spam accounts similar to that one about me right now. I do not ask about crypto or trading. If you get any messages, that is not me. <laughs> you can also feel free to send me an email, jennaschwartz0 at gmail.com. I try to check all those daily. So you're you're welcome to reach out. Is there any other methods that usually people use? I think that's it. And okay. again, my name is Naja Sasa, but you can find Gentech Marketing at, at Gentech Marketing on all social media. So Jenna, thank you again. And we'll see you guys next week.